Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Being a cowboy, it depends on who you ask. Because I don't think that there's just like one clear-cut definition of of what a cowboy is or how to be a cowboy because you know different definitions uh, a ranch cowboy is going to tell you one thing okay a ranch cowboy is going to tell you one thing and but it, but if you talk to a feedlot cowboy he may give you a little different definition you go talk to a rodeo cowboy he's probably going to say something different the, the the guys that give trail ride and do outfitting and hunting that they may give you a different definition um there there's just uh you know, Abe was uh, worked on a ranch down there at Canadian, Texas, and, and that's what he did was started horses. I mean, these horses ranged from, from, I think he said, four to like six or seven. That I mean, those are big, stout horses that's never been touched, so they're four, five, six, and maybe even seven years old. And so, uh, you know, you ask a bronc stomper or a bronc peeler about being a cowboy. He's going to give you a little different definition. I mean, you, you ask a rancher, and he's going to give you a little bit of a different definition. Uh, if you've been going to save the cowboy for any length of time, probably over a year, uh, you might have heard this story, and I don't care because I tell this story to my kids every single night because it's my favorite story in, in, in the whole wide world. We were, we were gathering a 21-section pasture down there in Texas. It's all under one fence, and 21 square miles of brush it's hard to gather, okay? Now, there was 21 square miles of, of, of pasture under one fence, and there was four cows, because that's all you can run down there. And so, it, you know, it took a bunch of cowboys to find these four cows, and uh, that's why the ranches are so big, you can't run no cows. And so, anyway, we, we spent half the, more than half the day, 21 square miles of gathering these cows, and then once we got them to the pen, we started branding and everything, and at the end of the day, I, I was sitting on the ground, with my back leaned up against the trailer tire of my trailer, and everybody's in front of me, and there's some other guys sitting next to me, and I mean, we're just, we're, we're, we're plumb wore out, right? And we had missed one cow and a calf, and she had come in during the branding. You know, they don't like to be by themselves, so she'd come in, but she was staying kind of out there on the edge of the brush. And my, my buddy Lino, he asked the rancher, uh, he said, he said uh, hey, there's that cow and calf out there. You want us to go rope them? And Dulce just about had enough, and he said, No, I don't want you to go rope them. All y'all cowboys do is just, I don't want to, you want me to rope it? You want me to rope it? You want me to rope it? You know, there's a big difference between a cowboy and a cowman. Because a cowman takes care of his cows. He ain't just out looking to rope it all the time. Let's go out there and rope it and rope it and rope it. Because that, that cowman has bought that cow. That cow is his livelihood. He's the one out there in the wintertime feeding that. And, and, I mean, he just gets on a soapbox. I mean, he, like, goes to his truck, opens up the toolbox, grabs his soapbox, comes out there, puts it on. Steps up on it, and he was a little guy, so now he's about the same size as Lino. And I mean, this dude is going off. It, nah, 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 nah. That's the difference between a cowman and a cowboy. And Lino, Lino's a big dude, right? And he's, he's, he's being real cool. He's like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I get you. And finally, at the end of his, like, 10-minute tirade on the difference between a cowman and a cowboy, uh, Dossie says, 
Now, Lena, has anything I said sunk into that hard-headed cowboy head of yours? Lena said, yes, sir. I think I understand now. I do. He said, then tell me, son, what you have understood, how I have enlightened you. Lena says, well, I reckon in a nutshell what you said is the difference between a cowboy and a cowman is a cowman is a sunbuck that can't rope. You ever seen anybody turn to like a magenta color? I never laughed so hard in my entire life. I like curl, I, I fell over from a sitting position, curled up into a fetal position, and liked a prolapsed from laughing. I, I mean, I just, I've never laughed that hard in my life. How to be a cowboy, what is a cowboy? Different people have different definitions, and I don't claim to be the authority on cowboy. There, there are about, there are about uh, 100, 100 people in here, and there's probably 80 cowboys that are better than I am in here today. But I think in an overall picture, if we were to say how to be a cowboy, I think that there's two qualities that no matter who gave a definition, that we could agree on how to be a cowboy has to have two things. The first thing that it has to have is being a cowboy is a lifestyle, okay? It's not necessarily roping. It's not necessarily being able to ride a bucking horse. It's not necessarily being able to rope a yearling in the pasture and doctor it. And it's not about, you know, being able to train a horse or be able to know how to brand. But, but it, what, whatever your version of cowboy is, whatever my version of cowboy is, the, the thing that they ha all have in common is that we have, it, it's a lifestyle. It governs your thoughts, your actions, your decisions, your friends. I mean, you know, we, we tend to hang out with the people that, that, that live a life like ours, okay? Now, I did, I, I did see on Facebook the other day, a fellow told me that, that, that your average salary is, a, is an average, or your salary is usually an average of the five people that you hang out with, that you spend the most time with, your, your spouse and your kids being one person, so it's your, your wife and kids, or your husband and kids are one, and then your four other friends. You can usually average all those salaries together, and that's yours. I've got an opening for four more friends, okay? <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I mean, I, I, I love hanging out. Me and Ty, we've discussed it. We're still going to be kind of buds a little bit, but we're going to find some new friends so we can make some more money. So send me, a, send me an application with a picture of your plane and your debt-to-income ratio, and we can, we can talk, okay? So, uh, no, not really. But you know, it, it's a lifestyle. Who do you hang out with? Who, 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 who's your pards? What do you do on a daily basis? It's who you are. Not necessarily what you do, but at the same time, you know, I mean, Cowboys do cowboy things in whatever version that is. I mean, maybe, maybe you're a horseshoer, or maybe, you, maybe you've got some property that you go out and you fix fence on. I mean, there's, there's no, I don't think that there's a checklist other than the fact that it's who you are. It's a lifestyle that governs everything that you do. The, the second thing that I think has to be there in order to be a cowboy in whatever form or fashion, whether, and, and you know what, I, I might even say, you know, even if you drive one of them, them iron horses, you know, whatever the case may be, the first quality is it has to be a lifestyle. It's something that you are. And the second quality is there has to be growth. There has to be growth. You know what you call something that has no growth? Dead. I mean, you've you, you got, you got to be growing 
if you're going to call yourself a cowboy. I mean, that's one of the things that I have learned the most about coming up here is, you know, down in Texas, we kind of all tied off or, or dallied or, you know, rubber on the horn. And everybody kind of did things the same way down in Texas. But whenever I came up here, I learned a new way to do things. And, and, and I have, you know, I've had a lot of people give me, you know, rib me on Facebook. Oh, yeah, you... You buckaroo, you going to get you a flat hat now? It's not about that. It's about growing. It's about learning something new. It's about pushing yourself. Well, growth requires four things, I think. Growth requires four things. The first thing, if you want to grow, you have to do, you have to be able to listen. You have to be able to listen because you cannot grow with what you know. Does that make sense? I mean, if you only did what you know, you're never going to grow. So you have to be able to listen. I mean, I've, I've learned a, a ton from, from Ty and, and Craig and basically the whole front row, but I mean, and, and there's others too. But, but at the same time, I love to listen to other people, some more than others, but you know what I mean. You've got to learn to listen because, and when I ask questions and when I try to listen, I'm not, a lot of people mistake my questions and my listening for lack of knowledge. Okay? It's not that I may not know. I know what I know. I want to know what Jack knows. You know? I want to know what Tiffany knows. Because I may be able to pick something up. that, like, hey, man, that's a good idea. I'm going to try that. I'm going to grow. So the very first thing, if, you're, if you want to learn how to grow, is you've got to learn to listen. Okay? The second thing that you've got to do is it has to be intentional. You're not going to grow by accident, okay? You, you, you're not going to go through the McDonald's drive-through and go, I just learned how to doctor a yearling by myself in the pasture by going through the McDonald's drive-through. I just, who knew that was going to happen? You, you don't learn to do that. If you want to learn something new, you have to be intentional about it. You've got to seek out who knows it. You've got to listen to what they say. You've got to practice what they do. There is an intentionality. I don't even know if that's a real word, but you know me. There has to be an intentional nature if you want to grow. You're not going to get there by accident. The third thing is, if you want to learn how to grow, the qualities of cowboys, it's got to be a lifestyle. You've got to want to grow, and if you want to grow, you've got to learn to listen. It's got to be intentional. And the third thing, you've got to find it fulfilling. You've got to find it fulfilling. Now, why anybody want to be a cowboy? I have no idea. I still ask myself this question all the time. You know, I mean, the, <laughs> Ty said, how many of y'all been bucked off this week? Like the whole front row nearly <laughs> raised their hands. But, you know, why, why would we do this? Why would we subject our bodies to what we do and being in the sun and, you know, working with animals that any stinking one of them could kill us at any moment? And, and we don't make no money at it, but we're working on that with our new friends. But, you know, um, why would we do it? Because we are fulfilled by it. We are fulfilled by it. If you're not fulfilled with the life that you are leading, if you are not intentional about it, you don't want to grow, you're not really going to find fulfillment in it. And if you don't find fulfillment, you're probably not going to do it for very long. I mean, I've seen people, as a matter of fact, that same day at the branding, there was a buddy of mine, Justin. He was my very first best friend, my very first best friend when we were like four years old. And he came out. He'd never been to a branding before. And me and him flanked all day long. I mean, there was other teams, but me and him 
flanked all day long because I didn't rope because he wanted to learn how, and, I, and I'd ask if he could come, and, and you know I had to take responsibility for him, so he was my responsibility, so we flanked all day long, and when we got done, he sat there, and he goes, I really appreciate you letting me come out and arranging this so I could do it. I said, how was it? He goes, I will never do this again. <laughs> never. And I understand. I completely understand. He did not find fulfillment in it, so he's not going to do it. And I'm good with that, right? But if you want to grow, you've got to learn to listen. You've got to be intentional. You have to find fulfillment in it. And the fourth thing, my wife tells me, she goes, I'm envious of you. I said, why, why would you be envious of me? She said, because you know who you are. I said, really? She goes, yeah. Everything. That's the fourth thing. Everything. Everything you do is geared around being a cowboy. It doesn't matter if you're preaching. It doesn't matter if you're roping in the pasture. It doesn't matter if you're at an arena event. It doesn't matter if you're walking through Walmart. Everything you do, being a cowboy governs everything. Thing that you do. There's not one piece of your day that isn't governed by something like that. And you know what? She's right. If you want to grow, you've got to learn to listen. You've got to be intentional. You have to find fulfillment in it. And you have to give everything over to that. And in Hebrews chapter 12, in Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 25, it says, be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one, capital O, the one who speaks to us from heaven. For when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. You get that? Now, uh, some people say, well, the, Bi the Bible is, is hard to understand, okay? Let me try to break this down to you very, very quickly. He says, when the Bible says be careful, you might want to pay attention to what the next part says, okay? I mean, that... I know that's difficult, but I mean, when the Bible says be careful, pay attention to what it says next, okay? And it says be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. And that one is a capital, it's not Kevin, it's, it's him. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking, for if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, who is an earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. So if the Bible's hard for you to understand when it says, now he makes another promise, you should probably pay attention to what is said next, okay? Regardless if you know what Mount Sinai was or why God was speaking or, or whatever, right? It says, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed. That's a promise. God says, once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means, this is what the Bible says. I'm not explaining this. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things remain. 
so that only unshakable things remain. What is unshakable? I mean, I want to be one of the things that remain. How do we do that? How to be unshakable. Now, this is a foreign concept. Some of you might not have heard this before. Others might have heard it about two minutes ago. It is a lifestyle. If you want to be a Christian and you want to follow God, you, it, it has to be a lifestyle. It can't be a Sunday morning. It can't be a Wednesday Bible study. It, it can't be a, a, a prayer before uh, breakfast or lunch or supper or something like that or at a funeral or at a wedding. It has to be a lifestyle. If you want to follow God, it has to be a lifestyle. That doesn't mean that you're not going to make a mistake. I mean, me and Ty were out there doctoring a yearling last week, and uh, Ty goes out there, and he throws the first loop, and it was a pretty loop, man. It flows right over and lands right here on that yearling's nose. And they went like that for an eighth of a mile, and finally he pulls it off because it wasn't going to fall. So I come in behind him, you know, I mean, I always have to clean up his misses, so... You know, I came in there, and let me show you how to do this. And I threw it, and it was the prettiest loop that flew out there and hung right on that yearling's nose, just like this, for an eighth of a mile. And Ty rides up next to me, he goes, I already tried that loop. It don't work. <laughs> it has to be a lifestyle. I don't even know why I told you that, but it was a good story. I had a point in the beginning. It governs your thoughts, your actions. You know, you, you, you don't just do it every now and then. It's everything to you. Christianity is who you are, not necessarily what you do. The point was, is that if you're a Christian, you're going to miss some loops. You're going to try real, real hard, and people are going to be watching, and you're going to throw the prettiest loop, and it's going to land on the nose. And you're not going to get anything done, and you're going to have to rebuild, but that's okay. It's all right. It's, it's just part of it. We're all going to have misses. It's who you are, not necessarily what you do. Now, cowboys do cowboy things, right? So if you're not doing anything, uh, you might question who you claim to be. You know what I mean? That's kind of a duality issue there. But Christianity, isn't it's not a set of rules and regulations that we go by. It's a lifestyle. And there has to be growth. I know that this is brand new, that nobody's ever heard this before, but uh, if you want to grow as a Christian, guess what you have to do first? Not lose. That's, 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 that's the, maybe I need to do like this. Not shoot somebody. You have to learn to listen. You have to learn to listen. You have to learn to listen to God. Because he's not going to, he, when he speaks in that big booming voice that everybody's going to hear, that's when all of heaven and earth are going to be destroyed. That only the unshakable things remain. So if he's speaking to us, we have to learn to listen to that still small voice, that gentle whisper. And in order to hear him, hear that gentle whisper, we've got to have ourselves calm. We can't be running around like, because ah, ah, that's how I usually live most of my life. Ask my wife. You got to learn to listen. I love it. She's all right. <laughs> I guarantee you, man, there ain't no prettier sound than the sound of a kid in church. That means his mama and daddy or grandparents or somebody's there with him. So never bothers me. Now, if you're 42 and making that kind of noise, we may have to talk. But <laughs> there has to be growth. You got to listen. The second thing, same thing. You got to be intentional. You're, you're, you're not, you're not going to get to heaven and by accident. 
Well, I was just going along doing my own thing, living my life however the heck I wanted to, and <laughs> slipped on a banana peel and ended up in heaven. Man, this was easy. It ain't going to happen like that, guys. And I'm not saying that it has to be difficult. Actually, the most difficult part of Christianity is just learning to relax and trust in God. He does the saving. We don't. But still, we have to be intentional in that. We have to be focused on that. We have to be intentional. The only way to heaven is through an intentional relationship with Jesus Christ. A lot of people, you know, I, I'm sorry, but, you know, just believing that there was a Jesus and there was a Jesus that died on the cross, that don't really mean anything. Believing that he was a real person that died on the cross for your sins and you give your life over to him, now we're getting somewhere. But you have to be intentional about it. The third thing, same thing as being a cowboy. If you don't find fulfillment in the Christian life, you're not going to do it very long. I run into those all the time. I run into them all the time. You know, they're like, yeah, I want to be a Christian, and you know. But, but they don't find any joy in God's Word. They don't find any joy in serving. They don't find joy in giving. They don't find joy in all of the hard things that, that Christians are called to do. You know, like die to self. I mean, if you don't find enjoyment in it, you're not going to find fulfillment in it. And usually you can spot those that the very first time they get yard darted, they quit. They're gone. Just like with being a cowboy. I mean, you know, they, hey, can I come to your branding? Yeah, come on. And then after they see how hard it is, they're like, I ain't never doing that again. I'm gone. You got, you, you got to learn to find fulfillment in some hard work. You got to learn to find some fulfillment in God's word, into doing the things that he called us to do, in, in doing those hard things like serving, loving those that are hard to love, starting with ourselves sometimes. When you reach the point where your relationship with God is all you need, then you will realize that you have the fourth thing, everything. You have to give him everything. He is everything that you need. He, is, he, he fulfills everything. And, and really, that's the key to Christianity is everything. Not, ju not just some Sundays, not just a Bible study, not, not just a... Excuse me. Not just a, 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 a quick prayer in the morning. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. That, that is part of it. But, but we have to give him everything. You want to know why? Why does God want everything from you? You know, I mean, I, I'm just going to use this as a quick example because, uh, you know, usually the last thing that to go, the, the last thing and everything is usually money. And, and, I, and I was that way. I was totally that way. You know, and... and uh, you know, some people say, well, well tithing is, is Old Testament. You're right. You're right. In Malachi, God says to give a tenth of your, of your income, and, and, and I will pour out a blessing on you that you cannot contain. It will fill your cup up, and it will run over into your lap. Well, that sounds horrible. A blessing from God that you cannot contain that spills over into your lap and runs all over the floor. That sounds horrible. But if you want to say that giving is, tithing is Old Testament, by all means, let's just, let's just call it Old Testament and, and we're not under the Old Covenant anymore. Okay? I, I'm with you. I'm with you. No tithing. But let's go to the New Testament. Jesus said, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, come and follow me, and you'll find treasure in heaven. Do you want Old Testament or New Testament? Okay? I mean, I'm not ready to go for the New Testament. I'd lot rather you go for the New Testament, make your checks out to save the cowboy. Okay? 
We've got some really good real estate people in here that can sell your home, and I think we got some car dealers and stuff. So by all means, if it's Old Testament, that's fine. You can give 10%. But I, and, I, and this isn't a, a sermon on tithing. I'm just saying, why does God want us to give everything? Because he did. Because he did. He came down in bodily form, a carpenter's son, God's son. And he laid down his life. He gave everything for one purpose, so you could be with him, so you could be with him. Because get this, in the grand scheme of things, here's Christianity. You are everything he wants. Everything he did was to bring you to him, to arrange what we couldn't arrange on our own. He gave everything for you. And when we realize that, there is nothing that we will withhold from him. He, you are everything he wants, and he is everything we need. Think about that. If you want to grow as being a Christian, it's got to be a lifestyle. It has to be intentional. It has to be fulfilling. And you've got to give everything. Okay, now you know that I'm only partially joking about selling your house. I'm joking. I'm joking. If God leads you to, you better do it. That's all I'm saying. I left everything behind in Texas and came up here. And, and if I would have known then what I know now, I, I'd have done it. Well, I'm only 23, so I, I can't go very far back. But you know what I mean. You, you can't outgive God. You can't outgive Him with your time, with your resources, uh, with, with your family. You know, I mean, building that up is everything. How do we do that? How do we be unshakable? In verse 28, Hebrews chapter 12, 28 says, Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, think about that. We are in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God resides in us. That is what is unshakable. Since we are receiving that, we should respond in three ways. Real quick. We are to respond in three ways. Number one, oh, let me finish reading the verse. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God. You know, people say all the time, well, I just don't know what God wants me to do. If it pleases God, this might be something that you might want to pay attention to. I don't know. It's just my thoughts. Just a cowboy. But if it says this pleases God, I would say pay attention. Maybe start off with that first L. Listen. Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. Being thankful. Are we thankful? I mean, think about this for a second. Which of these four best describes you? Angry, complaining, depressed, jerky. I don't even know if that's a word. Is that something? I mean, you know what I mean by being a jerk? You know, are you jerky? Man, it is good to eat. Thankful. Are you thankful? Is that what basically if somebody says, how are they? You know, when you're still alive, because you know when you die, everybody's going to lie about you, right? I mean, oh, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's so thankful. No, I'm talking about when you're alive, when people are telling the truth, right? Be thankful. You want to be unshakable? You want to have the kingdom of God, which is unshakable, living in you so that when everything is destroyed, you will remain. Start by being thankful. The second thing you need to do is, is worship. Now, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, well, I'm, I'm through apologizing for offending people. Worship is not music. It can be a form of worship, but a lot of people say, how come you say the cowboy, y'all don't have any worship? Excuse me? We worship from the time we set up these chairs till the time we get home at night. Well, I didn't hear you play any worship. <laughs> worship is not music. It is a form of worship, and it can be in a very good form of worship. As a matter of fact, whatever you like, listen to it on the way to save the cowboy. It'll be great. 
Okay? My worship is not the same as your worship, okay? In music. But we must worship. What is worship? It is entering into the presence of God where He is the singular focus. Entering into the presence of God where He is the singular focus. Now, I have said this. So, know that if I step on your toes right now, mine are already black and blue, okay? I've heard the term, well, I can, I can worship God better in the pasture than I can sitting in a church. Bull. Crap. <laughs> no, you can't. No, you can't. I, I mean, and, and for, for the main reason here. Now, if you can tell me that the only time you go out into the pasture is for a singular focus to go out there and put all of your focus on Jesus Christ and his saving grace and his, his finished work on the cross, then, then, then I'll, eat, I'll eat crow. But most of the time when you're out there in the pasture, your singular focus is not on God. You may give him thanks. You may, hey, look, at, I appreciate you, God. It's Sunday morning or it's Wednesday night or it's Tuesday afternoon at 4, whatever the case may be. But worship is singular focus on God. And it's even more powerful like in Hebrews where it says, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. There's something special about us all coming together to worship God. Worship with holy fear. What is holy fear? Holiness. Holiness is just being in tune with God. Okay? I know it's a little warm in here. There's like three flies that's been trying to fly up your nose. I know. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I seen you, Courtney. <laughs> Holiness is being in tune with God, being godly. His attributes are your attributes. Okay? It's walking with God. That's what holiness is. Peter says, for God said, be holy for I am holy. It's traveling that narrow trail, okay? We're supposed to do that, and we're supposed to do it with awe. You cannot be in awe of something that you do not notice. Think about that. You cannot be in awe of something that you don't notice. You've got to see God to be in awe of Him. You've got to see Him in the things that you do. You've got to see Him in your friendships. You've got to see Him in your worship. You've got to see Him in your life. You've you, you got to see Him in everything that you do. And, and I have a saying that says that I hope that I'm, how, how do I say this? I hope I'm never surprised at what God does, but always amazed. Because if you're amazed by what God does, that means you've seen it. It means you've seen it. Only the unshakable cowboys that ride for God will be left. Will you be one of them? Will you be one of them? Dad, will I be a cowboy if I learn to rope? Oh, it's much easier than that, son. And so much, much more.